By faith, Abraham left his land and went to a country where there was nothing. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembert. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We are discovering the Bible as we go through it on this month. It is absolutely fascinating. We're going to teach in about five minutes on Hebrews chapter 11. It's going to be a good one. Ryan is here. Ryan, what's going on? All right. Well, in Hebrews, the unnamed writer makes several references to entering into the Lord's rest. But just what does that mean exactly? That's what we're going to talk about. All right. Very good. Look forward to that. That's coming up in about 25 minutes. What are you doing? Today, my segment is called Diligently Seeking. All right. Diligently Seeking. Also, we have Jim Canlon. Jim, how are you? Hey. I've been here so much lately that I, <laughs> I'm wondering why you're not paying me. <laughs> Jim, we'll uh, talk about, I'm doing great. It's good to be here. <laughs> we'll talk about WOW missions coming up shortly. Uh, so just stay there as we read the Bible and open up the Word of God. Hebrews 11, 8 through 26. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God." By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore from one man, and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore." These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he had also received him in a figurative sense. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, 
refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 26. Hebrews chapter 11, chapter 12, and chapter 13. That's what we read today as we continue to go through the Bible in one year. You know, faith is a powerful thing. It surely is. And because of faith, many people have become sidetracked through faith movements in which church leaders teach their congregations to idolize faith rather than to focus on Jesus the Christ. But God never commanded us to idolize anything. We are called to seek him, the one and the only Lord God. As followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We need to build the kingdom of God and not our best life here on earth. Now, the life we have been given is founded by eternity, which Jesus Christ is the author of and that begins here and right now. But all rewards and power is finalized there, not here. We are called to live our lives in a way that seeks to demonstrate to the world who this Jesus Christ really is and what he's done in our life. God is great and he is good all the time. And as we commit our lives to live for him, he will teach us how to love each other. It's quite the opposite of what the modern world projects. We do not live our lives focused on ourselves. We live our lives focused on what Jesus Christ desires of us. That's very important. Now, take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage because this is what we're going to study today in Hebrews chapter 11. We are not home yet. In fact, we will be home when the Lord comes and takes us back. Or when, we, when our life is no longer able to sustain us here and our spirit slips into eternity, Jesus is waiting for us there. Now, keep in mind that if you have not written for the Bible guide, I want to urge you, because we are coming up on the end of the reading, and in order to be able to get your guide for January, it's an exciting new year, and we're doing all new material for it. It's very good, and we're going to focus on this again. We'll read through the Bible. Now, some of you have read through the Bible for the first time. And I want to congratulate those who have, and it's, it's really good. It's a, it's a great discipline to uh, develop yourself in doing. And uh, we encourage you to become somebody who is, gets their guide every week, or rather every month, I should say. And you can get your guide online, or you can get your guide by simply giving to us, calling or writing to us, or going to Bible Discovery TV. We are not at home yet. Father, I pray today as we look at Hebrews chapter 11, that you would help us to internalize your word, that you would help us to make it work in our lives. We need to understand it, and we don't need to read into it. We need to read from it and allow it to change our lives. So thank you, Lord, in Jesus' wonderful and glorious name. And all of us said together, make it so, Lord, or amen. Now, Hebrews chapter 11 
begins, and then around verse 8, it begins to communicate something that I would like to bring to our attention. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in a land of promise as a foreign country. A land of promise as a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she was judged or because she judged him faithful who had promised that child. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in the multitude and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. What am I saying? Abraham left his home by faith to a new land God had promised for his future. Faith changes things. Our future hope is in heaven, beloved. God has made our future home in heaven. Do you understand that when we are on this earth, we're simply passing through? God has saved us, allowed us to be born again by giving his spirit to us when we come and repent and say, Lord, forgive me for sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God and forgive me for my sin. And suddenly we are born. And that's eternity. And God begins to change our lives. So our entire lives shift and change at that point. Very interesting. And Abraham did that as well. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13 says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out of, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country, therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Do you understand what he's saying? God has prepared a promised land, beloved, for us in heaven. All of our needs and desires will be fulfilled in God's place for us still to come. Now remember this, because John chapter 14 says this, let, heart, let not your heart be troubled, Neither let it be afraid, for in my Father's house there are many places. I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, Jesus said, you may be also. That is very interesting, the promise of God, all the way back to Abraham. God has made this promise through time. And let me tell you something, we are in a time right now when he's coming back soon, so we need to be ready to meet him very soon. All right, 17 to 26, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac and he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, 
in Isaac your seed shall be called. Now, do you understand that he offered his son, even though God said that to him, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. So by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning these things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bone. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was beautiful child and And they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter by choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Which takes me to number three. As Christians, our lives are not about us, They are about the future. We daily walk by faith towards that heavenly hope. Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study. And I know today's assigned reading is Hebrews chapters 11 to 13, but in my segment, I wanna actually focus on chapters three and four. And in this section, the unidentified writer makes many references to entering into the Lord's rest. But just what does it mean to enter the Lord's rest? Well, just as Hebrews chapter two looks back through Psalm eight to Genesis one, Hebrews four looks back through Psalm 95 to Genesis two in order to answer this very fundamental question. Check it out. In Hebrews chapters three and four, the writer's overarching theme is entering the Lord's rest, which he makes mention of several times. But just what exactly is the theological definition of the Lord's rest according to Hebrews? The unidentified author builds his theology using other key scriptures. As a matter of fact, we see this in the very first mention of God's rest in Hebrews 3, 7 through 11, which is actually a quote from Psalm 95, 7 to 11. In these verses, the psalmist is also looking back to Numbers 14, where God denies the wilderness wandering Israelites entry into his rest because of their unbelief. In the immediate context of Numbers 14, and in that present situation as it related to the Israelites, this rest referred to the inhabitation of the Promised Land, which included peace, safety, and security all around, with God's presence in their midst. However, a major point David is making in Psalm 95 is that this rest was still available in his time, meaning that the entrance into the Promised Land could not have been entrance into the ultimate rest of God. Likewise, the writer of Hebrews, by quoting Psalm 95, makes the point that God's promise of entering his rest still stands today. Thus, the rest offered to the desert dwellers in Numbers 14 was a promise much greater than just real estate. 
As Hebrews says, if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. So if this wasn't God's ultimate rest, then what is? To answer that important question, it is imperative to understand the greater context of Psalm 95. While the immediate context of verses 7 to 11 was God's rejection of the unbelieving Israelites, the psalm as a whole is about God's right to rule as king because he is creator of everything. This contextual key regarding God as creator is critical to understanding what the Lord's rest truly is, and the writer of Hebrews builds on this by expanding his biblical theological base even farther to include yet another foundational passage of scripture, Genesis chapter 2. It's fitting that Hebrews reaches back to the very origins of the heavens and earth for the origin and definition of God's rest. As Genesis explains, God created everything in six days, and then on the seventh day he rested from all his works and sanctified it as a Sabbath rest. This Edenic state, then, is the very definition of God's ultimate rest according to Hebrews and the rest of Scripture. Although mankind was initially created into that perfect rest, our fall into sin spoiled that. Nevertheless, since that time, God in his great love, mercy, and grace has been working through Jesus Christ to bring us back into that rest, which will be a restoration of that perfect Edenic state. Thus, the rest offered in Numbers 14 and Psalm 95 was only partial as it previewed and prefigured the ultimate rest in God to come, which was inaugurated through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thankfully, God still offers us this coming rest today for anyone who believes in his redemptive work through the person of Jesus Christ. So entering the Lord's rest ultimately refers to the restoration of the Edenic state before the fall of mankind. It's the complete renewal of the heavens and the earth, the new creation. Now, even though that rest is still yet in the future for those obedient and faithful to the Lord, Christians, like the Israelites under Joshua, get to enjoy a partial rest right now. Because as soon as one puts his or her faith and trust in God's redemptive work through Jesus Christ, he or she immediately enjoys a rest of conscience because they know that they will never be brought into judgment for their sins. And if you want to check me on that, that's John chapter 5, verse 24. And then later, Christians will enter the Lord's ultimate rest when he restores all things. But unbelievers, be warned, rebellion and disobedience will result in rejection from the Lord's rest, just like it did for those to whom it was first preached. Turn your life over to Christ today if you haven't already. Come and enter the Lord's rest. I think that's important, uh, and the emphasis is do it today. Do it now, because as we focus on this, God is, is calling our names, and he's as close as the mention of his name. So he calls on Janice. Yes, well, Hebrews chapter 11 is the chapter we're looking at today. And it really is a chapter about faith, faith in God and the faith that we have in God. This particular verse has been very special to me in my own personal life this year. It's Hebrews 11 verse 6, and it says this, But without faith it is impossible to please him, meaning God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And that's something that I have had to diligently seek after, is to diligently seek after my Lord and God and recognize that it's him. You know, Jesus spoke 
about not worrying about certain things, what we are going to eat and what we're going to wear. Uh, we, we read about it in Matthew. We read about it in Luke. In Matthew, he says, don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In Luke, he ends it by talking about where your treasure is. That's where your heart is. And Jesus said, after that whole talk about not worrying, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So when I read Hebrews eleven six, but without faith, it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So let's seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of those other things will be added unto us. God knows what we need. It's important to remember, see, what does that mean, seek first? It means that you put it first in priority in your life. Yes. And there's a lot of people who put different priorities in their life. One person who has a unique priority in his life for missions and working for orphans and widows is Jim Canlock, Jim. Mm -hmm. And you just recently came back from Africa yeah. after COVID. Now, this was incredible. Mm -hmm. Tell us about it. Well, first of all, uh, COVID... Uh, has all but disappeared in terms of the awareness of the people in southern sub-Saharan Africa. It's not that it's gone, but um, th there were very few, if any, protocols uh, on the in the airports, on the flights. Uh, the only place where we had to do any kind of um, protocol, if you will, was Malawi, where you get off the plane, they bust you to a tent, and in the tent, you have to have a mask, and they have a form you got to fill out and you got to prove that you've been vaccinated. Uh, but then as soon as you get through that, through passport control, into the luggage area, the masks come off and uh, nowhere in the country did we see anyone wearing masks. I think part of it is that about 50% of Africans are under the age of 25. And young people tend to be a bit more uh, resilient and or immune to uh, these viruses than older people like me. Um, but that was, that was a surprise. At the same time, the, uh, the cost of everything is up anywhere from 100 to 200%, sometimes mm -hmm. in some cases 300%. So whether it's fuel for transportation or uh, cost of cooking oil or maize meal for eating or um, rudimentary clothing, bedding, whatever, everything is way, way up. And of course, people's income is not up. Uh, most of the areas where we work, it's the same as most of the poor areas around the world, people living on less than $2 a day. So, you know, it's a very, very um, mixed bag right now in Africa. And of course, in, in our case with WOW, working for Orphans and Widows, 22 years now, we've been working with Orphans and Widows impacted by HIV and AIDS. And until antiretrovirals came along, call them ARVs, um, AIDS was always fatal. Like, mm. There was no escaping it. When once you had it, you had it. Antiretrovirals, which emerged, you know, 20 years after the fact, um, suppress the viral load to the point where it's not detectable and it's as though you don't have HIV. However, you still do have it, but it's just controlled. Um, so um, they are now, ARVs are now available pretty much to anybody in Africa if they can find their way to some little clinic somewhere. And then, of course, they have to keep taking the medication at the same time of the day. And, you know, there's a certain regimen that is attached to it. And there's a cost related to it. Yeah. But in terms of, in terms of government-supplied ARVs, there's no cost. Uh, mm -hmm. Governments, you know, are paying for it, even though the governments are very poor. Um, 
But there's so much more to it, you know, in terms of the cost of everything. Also, um, what we call uh, opportunistic infections. Mm -hmm. um, the antiretrovirals don't get rid of opportunistic infections. And one of the biggest is, t is tuberculosis. So TB. Uh, yeah. TB, yeah. So, you know, we're, we're dealing with uh, thousands of people who are TB positive. And then, you know, things like dysentery, uh, oral thrush, um, uh, pneumonias of various kinds. And this is where COVID-19 was able to kind of uh, exploit and take advantage yeah. of the people because their immune systems were so low. So mm -hmm. one of the key things that we do, you know, we, we supply pharmaceuticals for thousands of people, but we also supply something called selenium, which is a trace mineral. It's not a medication. It's not an antibiotic. It's a trace mineral that is taken from the earth. And this trace mineral, selenium, is amazing in terms of boosting people's immune systems. Mm. I mean, Kathy, my wife, you know, she feels the cold coming on. She takes a couple of selenium. Um, and it's just astonishing what selenium will do. Uh, and we have a proven track record there. We've been providing selenium now for almost 20 years to uh, people who are HIV positive. The combination of antiretrovirals, which suppresses the viral load, plus selenium, plus good nutrition. We, we, we teach people how to grow gardens and how to eat properly, even though they may not have a lot of food, how to eat properly in terms of greens, you know, and, and things like that. Um, it's amazing how those things in combination can literally uh, restore. Like, let me show you a picture here. Do I have time? Yeah, go ahead. You okay. got about a minute here. So okay, now, I, I don't have the audio for this, but... Um, yeah, I was at a big event in Malawi just recently with Kathy, and uh, they, they met us for a full day of celebration. There were 600 people there. I'll show you some other pictures of this in a minute. But these are some of the volunteers who care for people who are HIV positive in their little rondobles, their little mud huts with grass roofs. These are volunteers? These are volunteers. So, uh, most of them walk 15 kilometers there and 15 kilometers back just to mm -hmm. care for people. What's really interesting about that pic picture is that every one of those volunteers is HIV positive. Okay. Every one of them. Every one of them was dying. And with our ministry there in Malawi, we discovered them. And our, our church, local church-based volunteers began to minister to them. They've come back to health and strength. They're getting antiretrovirals. They're getting selenium. They're being taught how to eat properly. And now they are ministering to others who are dying. It's an amazing story. It is amazing. We'll talk more about that yeah. on the next program. But wowmission.com, wowmission.com is where you want to go. We also uh, support them as well. And uh, this is a great ministry working for orphans and widows. Uh, it is excellent. The need is still there, and in many cases, more so than it was before. Now let's get back to the program. Well, today I want to remind you that we do have a prayer meeting and we bring you up to date on the latest news going on around the world. There's a lot of things happening and we cover those things. And at 3.30 Eastern time in the United States of America, join us on Facebook or YouTube or Bible Discovery TV. We are live from 3.30 to 4.30 Monday, Wednesday and Friday. And we'll pray for you. Today, let's pray. 
and say, Lord, I pray that many people would hear about your call and would respond to you now.